Chapter Fifteen of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. The girl did not immediately make up her mind to return. That glimpse into the old world did two pieces of mischief. In the first place, the slowly growing purity in the springs of her motives was again sullied. In the society she had forsaken, multitudinous smallness served the purposes of serious concerns, and it was all recalled over vividly to her mind. Again, the perusal of the pink sheets had given her fictitious strength by accentuating the sense of contrast. The atmosphere of the Grande Dame returned to her, and surrounded her by what she felt as an invincible and enchanted circle. This inward assurance of being in possession of an infallible charm against danger resulted in nothing but an encouragement to play with temptation. That is the most subtle of delights, to toy with the alluring. From the moth to the man it is so and we should all flutter round the seductive if we were absolutely certain of escaping without a burned wing jessamine told herself that her pinions were free and that at any moment she could beat them out upon the air untrapped it follows inevitably that the creature existing merely as a source of pleasing emotion in others and educated to conceive of herself only in that aspect shall find herself particularly susceptible to the thrills of sensation when in her turn she is the victim so that she did not fly the present was delectable and in actual ascendancy london was far and by no means so attractive moreover the season was long since at an end it was the middle of august now and the days were shorter about nine in the evening dusk gathered but one evening before the sun was low jessamine went out she took her way across the moor the purple undulations of colour spread on every side mingled with patches of brown where the cattle had cropped a meal the light throbbed on the red stems of the pines and the sun's burning flame alternately lit up the dusky canopies and let them sink again in shadow a rosy glory like a fisher's net spread everywhere and in the midst the girl walked with her face lifted her inscrutable eyes large and quiet and her elastic step treading the heather daintily and colin who had been watching and waiting day and night slipped from the cover of the birch-trees and followed her for said he if i may see her face once more and hear her silver tongue i will lay me down and die most thankfully thus it came about that a long shadow crept up from behind to the side of jessamine and mcgillivray with his lifted cap came by good evening murmured jessamine it will be weary for you on the moor your lane yes and night comes quicker now yes and then silence the silence which speaks so much faster and more swiftly than the tongue 
and while there was silence it seemed to colin that his spirit went out from him and kissed her on the mouth and to jessamine that she clung about his neck they spoke again in fear in june the evenings were long enough oh yes it was grand weather in june grand shall you begin the harvest soon well i think we might be cutting the barley in a day or two i should like to see it cut i we shall be most pleased whatever then again silence took them by the hand and walked between and whispered the same thing to either heart until the tongue leaped out to divide them will it be a good crop this year asked jessamine oh it will be a very light crop indeed this year i'm sorry for that how is it the dry hot season does not do for this sandy soil it will be taken a deal of wet but we have had some rain just a shower or two running about but nothing to make any good meanwhile they reached a gate leading to dalfaber and colin paused and laid his hand upon it he told himself with an ever fainter resolve that just such a manner of man he was and no other and that just such a manner of woman made to shine in some world which he surmised but could not picture she was and no other but when he paused jessamine paused also he leaned against the gate his hand at the latch she stood before him mute exquisite she felt him there his influence smiting like rays upon her her eyes could not lift their lashes she knew his sought her face then she felt him withdraw then and looking up found that he had turned them upon the moor good night murmured jessamine bide a wee cried colin suddenly and jessamine following his glance saw in the midst of the brown and purple land a little tuft of white heather growing snug and small close to them colin vaulted over the gate and stooped over it he gathered it prodigally leaving not a twig behind jessamine with the words of mrs mackenzie going up and down her mind waited she saw the moor stretching from side to side and in the midst the man stooping to gather the symbol of his love he came back presently with the white sprigs in his hand and a great emotion in his eyes will you take it she stretched her bare soft fingers and white and warm they rested for a lingering second upon the peasant's coarsened palm then without a word she took the sprigs and turned away colin stood by the gate watching her as she passed in the straight gray dress on and on along the bare moor road until he lost her in the mazy confusion of the evening light oh god 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 murmured he his passion struggling for utterance and throwing itself out of his silent nature in the word that for him comprehended the highest mystery 
End of chapter 15